right. Hello, everybody. Um, I hope you're hungry now. Uh, my boss for Christmas at work gave me a little uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift card, so I'm a regular there. But what, what I was hoping you would get from that is uh, a couple of things. This guy really loves his job. He's really dedicated to his job. Um, but there's a lot of stress with his job because... He's got to do it again and again and again. He's got, he, he makes the donuts, but then he's got to go again. And sometimes with that stress, there's uh, some uh, anxiety uh, or even worry. You know, am I going to be able to make enough? Uh, if I do it today, will I still be able to do it tomorrow? All that kind of stuff. And so uh, that, that worry about tomorrow, worrying about his work world, um, that's, that's sort of a theme that I wanted to address uh, today, but it's in the context of this identity teaching that we've been going through here at VCNW, uh, as Wilson said, for, for a long time, and it's really just been changing my life as the way, the changes the way I look at, at scripture, it changes the way um, I, I, I go about my day-to-day routine, um, so it's been awesome, but one of the cool things about that identity uh, teaching is that in Christ, we, we are children of God. One of the, the first uh, verses in the Gospel of John says, people that believe in him, to them he gives the right to become children of God. And I think maybe a lot of us have heard that, but what I want to address is I think there's a, there's a place that that becomes disconnected from our thinking and, and our believing uh, in some destructive ways. So I want to talk about kind of how to get that back to be able to live like a child of God by believing like a child. So that's kind of the, the uh, title of the message, Believing Like a Child. Uh, <clears throat> so let, let me pray a second and then, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you that, uh, that you're here, that you love us. Uh, we, we, we really want to see you today. We want to see your heart. We ask you to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you more. There there is so much more of you to know, God. There's so much more of you to know. And we just want to know that. We want to know who you are. So just open open up our eyes to you today. Open up our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Before we launch in, I do want to give a shout out to my wife in the front row over here, Karen. Today, 34 years ago today, we were married. So, so, it's been, been an awesome ride. And uh, many, more, many more years to go, we hope. Thank you. Love you, sweetie. Um, well, we're going to start out looking at one of my favorite uh, passages. It's from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. So you can open up a Bible and look at that or, or watch it up here on the screen. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking to a crowd. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap (coughs) or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when I was in high school, I was a new Christian, and somebody gave me a little booklet, which was a collection of, of Bible passages, kind of a greatest hits of the Bible, which was a, a really cool way for a, a newcomer, a new believer to start getting into really core things that were going to shape your life. And this is one of, the, one of the passages that was in there. And I remember reading it, um, thinking, wouldn't that be great to not worry? Because, okay, I'm in high school, and, and it seemed like I was worried about a lot of things, ranging from my sports teams, because I was a Cleveland fan, so Browns and Indians and Cavaliers. And if you follow sports, you know there's always a lot to worry about with the Cleveland teams, because they're never very good. <laughs> but, um, but other things, too, like school and relationships and, and future Um, And so I would read this passage and it seemed like that Jesus was describing this island way out in the middle of the ocean, far away, that I call like the island of no worry. And it's a beautiful island, but I I would wonder, how do you get to that island? It seems so unreachable. How how do you get there? And um, later on in life, then fast forward a little bit, I'm a dad, husband and dad, and I would, you know, I'm supposed to bring home the, the bacon that, that uh, my family can eat, all that kind of stuff. And I would think, I'd read this and I would think, I don't believe Jesus even really means uh, that this is possible. It's just so outside my realm of thinking. How can a husband and a father not worry about tomorrow? Um, you know, the responsibilities that I would have for putting food on the table, um, those are all things that I can't just drop. I can't give up those. And, yet, and the funny thing, as I would read the, the, the Matthew 6, uh, the funny thing was that Jesus is suggesting that he can't even really understand why the people are worried. Do you get that? He's saying, why are you worrying? The, the pagans worry about that stuff, and they don't have a heavenly father, but you have a heavenly father. So why would you even worry? So I just felt this total disconnect between what Jesus is saying and what my experience was as a husband and father. So I just kind of discard it. I say, I don't think Jesus even really means that. It's just kind of in there. But uh, so then this came back to me. Uh, uh, it's been about three months ago now. I think I woke up, got out of bed, I, I get to the shower and uh, before breakfast, so I'm not even totally awake, right? But I'm standing there, the water's coming down, and I'm already thinking about what needs to happen that day, the six or eight things at work that I left undone from yesterday. Um, I'm kind of calculating what resources I have, what resources I don't have, so what am I missing, what do I have to get? And... And then it, it dawns on me, you're not even awake yet. And you're already thinking about that. Like, how, where did that come from? 
you didn't wake up and start thinking about it. You were already thinking that before you even woke up. And uh, what, what struck me about that was, and I, I realized that that thinking is just always going on in there, this kind of constant worry about tomorrow. And then that reminded me, that was in a way sort of a wake-up call from God, reminded me of this other passage where God uh, is talking to Adam and Eve about the curse of sin and, and what life is going to be like for them because they've sinned. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. God is speaking and he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are dust you are and to dust you will return. So after Adam and Eve sin what we see the outcome of that is that uh, there's now going to be painful toil involved in this work and um, that it's going to be the sweat of our brow is going to be required to battle the thorns, the, the thistles, uh, all, the, all the things that are going to oppose us in procuring what we need for, for daily living. So every, every day our security is up for grabs. It's in doubt. It's in doubt. What had been prior to the fall, prior to the sin, what had been freely given by God to Adam and Eve, now they're going to have to work for it. They're going to have to strive for it. In a broader sense, the curse of sin, of course, isn't just about work. It, it's, uh, it's bigger than that. It's, it's a curse of independence and separation. A few verses later in Genesis, um, we read this. God, uh, it says, so the Lord God, this is verse 24, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Picture that. Banished. Man banished from God's presence. God's saying that, you know, if you want to be independent, okay, this is what independence looks like. You're going to feel the full force of independence. So the connection that God was making for me through this this, uh, train of, of Scripture was that the thinking that I had in my mind that I woke up that I had even before I woke up about worrying about tomorrow, that's part of this curse that God's describing in Genesis, the curse uh, related to our work. It, um, it's not that work is a problem because we know before man sinned, God was, was, uh, had created man for works. Even in Christ, we're created for good works. And we're gonna talk about that nearer the end of the message. Work is good. So that's, that's not the issue. But what was different, what was new as a result of this curse of sin was this uncertainty about tomorrow. For the first time, um, man was going to have to go out and wonder, will I be able to make the donuts enough to, to provide for my family? And if I do it today, will I, can, will I be able to do it tomorrow? So it's that insecurity issue that, uh, that was new because of the, the, uh, the curse of sin. So then I said, okay, wait a minute. This insecurity comes from the curse of sin, and yet Jesus, what we're learning through this identity, uh, just like Wilson was saying, 
Um, we died with Christ. We were raised with him. The, all those curses were broken by Jesus. So that, that doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect anyone anymore because Jesus already broke those curses. The, the, curses were, um, the curses have the effect of producing orphan thinking in us. And by orphan thinking, I mean um, thinking like uh, I, don't, I don't have a good father that's going to provide for me. I'm all alone. I need to go out there on my own and get what I need um, because, you know, nobody is with me to, uh, to provide for me. It's that orphan thinking that, that leads to worry. And or, I don't know about you, but orphan thinking has kind of followed me uh, at various times all the way through my life. We had, um, in the late 1990s, um, I tried to start a business, and it failed. Um, and it was uh, about 18 months. We, we had borrowed a lot of money to, to start the business. Uh, after not too long, it became clear that it wasn't going to work. And uh, I eventually tried and, and was able to go back and get another job. But there was this 18-month period without any income. And at the end of that time, there was this huge amount of debt. Um, and it was uh, 11 years or uh, almost 12 before, even with a, a great new job, I was able to work my way out of, of all that debt. And during that time, while I did grow in my faith a lot, and I look back and I say, God made me new and greater and better in a lot of ways because I saw him deliver us, literally deliver us. But I also spent a lot of time thinking orphan thoughts during that period. Like, um, you know, my family is on the verge of starving and it's my fault, that kind of thing. So, but again, what we're learning in this identity series is that that kind of thinking, that, uh, that uh, worry that insecurity is really just part of orphan thinking and that as a child of God, that orphan thinking can be replaced by sonship thinking where we are, we are children and we know we're children of a good father. So the line of thinking that I woke up with and saw in the shower, that's really just based on a lie. And so we need to start recognizing the lie. Some of us are doing this thing um, where if we see a lie... We, we call it out and we laugh at it just so that, that we can see how stupid it is. So here's, here's a lie we can all laugh at, all right? I was created by God to worry about tomorrow. Okay? It's stupid. It's ridiculous. When you say it, you, you realize, yeah, that, that's not what we're, we're created for. But that's the lie that was operating in my head um, for, uh, for much, of the, much of my life and, 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 and until recently when, when I saw that. So I know that we don't have to worry about tomorrow, but then I'm thinking, okay, well, then why am I still worrying about tomorrow? Um, and for you, maybe, maybe putting food on the table isn't your biggest worry, uh, depending on your stage of life or your, your situation. Maybe if you're a mother, um, try this one on. Have you ever worried about your kids and, and um, whether they're going to be well, whether they're going to find a situation in life that's, that's the right one for them? If you're a young person and you might be in school and you've tried out for a play, and you wonder if you're going to get the part uh, in the play or a, on a sports team or you've applied for colleges or you want to get the job, I think all of us have something that maybe, prop, uh, maybe pops up as a worry 
item uh, for us. So whatever that is, kind of think of that for the rest of the message here and um, see how this applies to that. So then let's go on because I think God led me to another passage that's the key to understanding Matthew 6 and the key to getting to that. (laughs) Getting to that unreachable island, that unreachable island where, where we don't have to worry about tomorrow, okay? So, excuse me, Uh, let's look at Matthew 18 then. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus says that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we need to change and become like little children. I thought it was so awesome that we had the testimony from Kids Jam this morning because that's really exactly what the whole message is about. So in a way, we could just go home, listen to Marley and, and uh, apply that to our lives. Um, because notice, Jesus isn't just saying become like children. He's saying become like little children. And I know I'm a child. I have no problem with understanding that I'm an adult son of my mom and dad. Every time we go visit them, um, it's about three hours away. We go uptown with my dad and get the pizza. And wherever I go, people look at me and they say, we know exactly whose son you are because you look exactly like your dad. And the older I get, the more, the truer that is. And I love that. I I love looking like my father. Um, And I know that I'm I'm the son of a wonderful uh, mother and father, but I'm, I'm a grown up. okay? And what Jesus is saying is that I need to change and become like a little child. And I'm thinking that even uh, Jesus' teaching or or maybe his own understanding and revelation about this has changed from Matthew 6 to Matthew 18, where in Matthew 6, he was saying, I don't even understand why you all are worried. And he's talking to grownups. But then in Matthew 18, it's like he's saying, okay, I figured this out. I know why you're worried. I've been giving you all this teaching about the kingdom of heaven, but you're still thinking like grown-ups. What you need to do is you need to change and become like a little child, and then you'll be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll, you, you won't worry because little children don't worry about tomorrow. And if you think about that, I think we can all say that's true. Picture a three- or four-year-old, like just pick four for a good age, um, Have you ever heard a four-year-old saying to another four-year-old, you know, I'm worried about where my food's going to come from anymore. That's just, that's not even on the radar. They may say they're hungry now, but they're not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. So when, when, um, I I think that's the picture that Jesus is going for, a a three or four-year-old, okay, um, Anyway, when I, when I realized that, uh, and I realized how alien that is to my own experience, and yet Jesus is saying, this is a requirement. 
said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you do this. This isn't just like a nice idea that you might try if you want to go into the kingdom. No, this is a requirement. You need to change and become like a little child. And, and I, said, I said, Jesus, I don't even, I don't know how to do that. I wasn't even a good child when I was a child because I kind of came into the world, you know, wanting to please everybody, um, being the most responsible person in every crowd, um, wanting to obey, 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 never caused a problem. Um, so I don't even think I experienced completely childhood the way God intended childhood to be experienced. And so now I'm an adult and I say, God, if you, if you want me to change and become like a little child, you have to do this. It has to be totally you because I don't even see the target. I don't even know where I'm going. You just have to do this. So the key to that then is uh, there's another verse, Romans 12, chapter 2. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is another one of the revolutionary teachings that's come out of this whole identity series. Um, I'm taking the School of Kingdom Ministry class this year, too, which is just phenomenal. If any of you haven't done it, I hope that you'll consider signing up next year. But one of the ideas in it is that because we're in Christ, okay, our sin nature is completely gone. It's completely, it died with Christ. So we don't have this bent towards sin that we used to have. But there's something that still needs to take place. Our minds need to be renewed by the Holy Spirit so that we'll, we'll believe the truth. That's how transformation happens, which is what this verse, Romans 12, 2, uh, is saying. There's a, a, a pastor that... Um, some of us have been uh, getting a lot of teaching from lately. His name is Steve Backland. And one of his quotes is that we were saved by believing in Jesus, but we're transformed by believing like Jesus. Okay? Think of this. Jesus only believed the truth. He believed the truth about himself, about the Father, about you, about me. He didn't believe any lies. And if we could believe like he believed and not believe any lies then our lives would be transformed. That, so that's this process of the Holy Spirit renewing, renewing our minds. So looking at this passage then, um, what needs to change in order for us to become like little children? What are the childlike qualities that Jesus says we need? Well, and some people, when they look at it, they'll say he's talking about humility here. And humility is an element of it, certainly. He talks about taking the low position, and that, that's the concept of humility. But I think there's something bigger, uh, and I'm using the word dependence. I think that uh, dependence includes humility, but it's bigger. And, and Jesus is saying that if you would live a life of dependence, then, um, or I'm sorry, if you would believe like a little child, change and become like a little child, you would live a life of dependence. And that, that that's kind of the entryway into the kingdom of heaven. So how can we do that? How, how can we live this life of dependence? Or what's going to help us? What needs to be renewed in our minds so that we can live this life of dependence? A couple of truths. The first truth is intimacy. Intimacy. I'm not moving out. I'm moving in. One of the biggest barriers, I believe, to us believing like a child is that we have a, a pattern in our mind of 
human parenting and child development uh, that looks like this. Um, Parents have kids, they raise their kids, they teach them, they provide for them, but the idea is they train them and eventually they leave and provide for themselves. And that has to happen. If you, if you think about it, um, if that didn't happen, then the human race would not, it would cease to exist because the, the next generation wouldn't be able to provide for themselves and the first generation is going to die. So the second generation, generation has to be trained. So that's cool. And I think that's what's going on when I say to myself or I say to God, I have to worry about tomorrow. I need to worry because it's my responsibility to put food on the table. And if I don't do that, then the human race is going to become extinct, starting with my family. And, and so I have to provide. I can't be a child precisely because I'm a grown-up with these responsibilities. So the problem is that this model of, of, of parenting and child development, it's the only one the human race has seen for generations hundreds or maybe thousands of generations. So we apply this to our relationship with God and we do it this way. We say with God, it's okay to be a little child at the beginning, but we're supposed to grow and grow and eventually we grow up and we move away. That's what, that's what little children do with their parents. But God doesn't see things from Earth's perspective. If you remember when Bob Hazlett was here back in, uh, I think, February, one of the speakers we had, one of the key phrases I took away from that was that uh, heaven doesn't have a calendar. So God is always looking at everything. He sees all of time in one moment. He sees you and me as he created us to be, fully righteous, dressed, clothed in, in Christ's righteousness. So our growing up, doesn't ever have to mean uh, stopping becoming like a little child with him. In fact, growing up, a better term with God would be growing in. He keeps inviting us to go deeper and deeper into intimacy with him. That's what maturity with God means. Since, since Jesus broke that, that curse of sin, this is now available to us as a, relation, as a way to relate to God. For example, in the, earth, the earthly model, if you think of the earthly model again, children grow up uh, and eventually they move out. In fact, we celebrate when they move out, usually. And, um, uh, and yet, with God, God never asks us to move out. This, this is a key thing. He never asks us to move out. In fact, he invites us to move in. He says, come in closer said, I've got even more intimacy with you. Jesus, when he, when he broke the curse of sin, he broke the curse of independence and separation. So that banishment that was the, in the curse in Genesis, that banishment is removed. I can relate to God through a model of dependence and intimacy now. That's, that's our birthright as children of God in this, uh, this new identity. So I challenge you to think about this. I mean, this has been revolutionary for me, okay? So think about this. Um, How many of you have this grown-up mentality about your relationship with God? You might say, "Uh, I can't raise my hands in worship. I can't go down front because I'm a grown-up, right? Young people do that, but I'm a grown-up. Or I can't dance and look silly because I'm a grown-up. Or I can't let my emotions... (laughs) get the best of me 
because I'm a grown-up. Okay, if anything like that has gone through uh, your mind, then, then this is what we're talking about. Jesus said the night before he died, um, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. My father's house has many rooms and I'm going to prepare one for you and then I'm going to come bring you back, come back and bring you to that room. The image there is, of course, of a bride and a groom, but that picture is a perfect picture that, that is evidence that with God, we're never going to move out. We're never going to move out. We're going to live with him forever. Matthew 11 Uh, verses 28 to 32 says this, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Psalm 23, David wrote, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God says, don't leave. I don't want you to leave. Don't move out. Come in. Come in and rest. When Jesus tells us to change and become like a little child, he's saying, stop being a grown-up who thinks you have to move out. You don't. He isn't God isn't like a human parent training us to take over when he leaves because he's not going to leave. So the first thing that needs to change in us is our view of what growing up with God means, okay? So say this after me. I'm not moving out. I'm moving in. Okay. The second truth is connectedness or abiding. Not only do we get to move in and live with God, we get to go wherever he goes all the time, okay? So again, picture this in your mind, a three or four-year-old, and you're in a car seat in the backseat of the car, or you're buckled in. Um, when parents go someplace with, with their kids that age, the kids don't, uh, sometimes don't even know where they're going. They don't ask where they're going. They just go wherever the mom and dad go. They're buckled in, and when they get there, they get out and go wherever their mom and dad go. Now, later on, obviously, uh, as the independence thing develops, they start asking, where are we going? When are we going to get there? Um, Maybe I don't want to go there. Do I have to go where you go? And, you know, eventually they have their own calendars and schedules, and they don't even go where their parents go. So that's the human model. But when Jesus... Uh, says that, that we're supposed to change and become like a little child. Again, he's, he's thinking of this three or four-year-old. We're never supposed to move past the stage where we're just strapped in the car seat, going wherever he goes. And the reason we know this is what uh, Jesus means, he doesn't use the terms car seat in the Gospel of John because they didn't have cars or seat belts or car seats. But he gave us a picture that's very much like this. It's... Uh, the picture of grapes and vines and branches connected to vines, okay? If you can picture that, uh, uh, you know, at Vina Clad or any other kind of place where they're growing grapes, there's this long, there's a vine that's sturdy, that's mature, and off of that are these little, um, uh, in, in scriptures called uh, branches, I'm not even sure what a, what a wine person says they're called, but they're, they're coming off the vine, and then there's the fruit on the vine, Okay. Um, in John chapter 15, 
um, Jesus used this uh, description. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you can picture that picture of grapes, uh, you know that there would be no grapes if the, the branches were not connected to the vine. All of the life for the fruit comes through the vine. And this, this picture of, of connecting to the vine and being a branch connected to the vine, I think is how um, we relate to God specifically in the area of our work world. Um, as we show ourselves faithful in small things throughout life, God gives us more to do because he has created us for good works, remember? That's before sin. We were created by God for good works. Um, but the assignments are going to change more and more. Uh, as we as we move into different uh, areas of of uh, bringing the kingdom of God, and by assignment, when I use that term, I'm I'm speaking of either uh, a job that we do for pay, perhaps, or a job at home that you don't receive pay for, or ministry opportunities, things like that. Uh, he's going to continue to keep uh, giving us assignments. Um, I don't want you to think that if we become like little children that it's just like endless summer vacation where we're just playing baseball and, and going to the swimming pool all the time. It's not that because God will never stop having work for us to do. That labor was always part of his creative uh, purpose for us. So dependence is not passivity. I don't want you to start thinking like that. There's always work for, uh, for us to do. There's always some kind of mission that, uh, that we're on that we get to do uh, with God. The, the key here is, even though the assignments may change, our work assignments may change, what does not change is that we're still a branch connected to the vine. So God never tells us to go out and do the job. He never gives us an assignment. He says, go do that over there and come back to me. It's never like that. It's say, let's go do something together. Let's go do this job together. You and me, we're always together. I'm the vine, you're the branch. We can only go the same place. So we don't have to go somewhere off by ourselves and then come and report back. It's always us doing it with him. The work we, we do is always done with God, derives its power from God, and, and bears fruit through God. So that's what dependence means, and that's what we'll miss if we don't become like a child. If we stay in grown-up mode, then we're going to go running off on our own, doing things that, things that we think God wants done, and then come back hoping that we'll get a good score, and we say, look, God, look what I did because I'm so grown-up. And he's going to say, you're missing the whole point. That's not what I want. I just want you to be with me. I just want to do this with you. I want you to live in my presence and in my peace. And this is where it applies to this worry about uh, what's going to be provided for my family, okay? If, if I'm supposed to provide for my family, but I'm a kid in a car seat or I'm a, a branch on a vine, how can I go to work? How can I, how can I earn money and pay the bills? Well, the first thing is that we, we can only go where God is going. So 
I need to ask him where he wants me to work. That's number one. I need to see my vocation as part of uh, his calling on my life, his purpose for me. Um, If I believe he's called me to be committed to one job where I go five days a week, then what I'm saying there is, okay, God, I believe you're making, calling me to make this commitment because you're going there five days a week and, and you want me to go along with you. And you're going to use that job not only to provide financially for me, but you're going to use me in that context to bring the kingdom of God because you're there. Um, if I'm out of work and the bills are piling up, then I say, okay, Jesus, I'm the branch, you're the vine. Um, where are we going next? I know, I know you're going to provide. I don't know how, but I know that uh, I'm a child of a good father, so I know that you're going to take care of what I need. Or if I'm looking at four different problems at work and none of which I know how to solve, <clears throat> I can still say, hey, God, I'm in the car seat. Um, I'm just going where you're going. I know you can solve these problems. Um, I know you are with me. You are for me. You are all I need. So I'm trusting you to come up with a solution to these problems. That kind of thinking may sound impossible to you. Like I said, it sounded impossible to me for years. Um, It sounded like this unreachable island. And I think if our thinking stays as a grown-up, it will always be impossible. Uh, It becomes possible when we change and become like little children. You might say, well, what if I've done something stupid? Um, Or maybe I even, I was trying to follow God, I thought, but I did what turned out to be a mistake. Uh, It went terribly, and now I'm in trouble. Is God still going to provide for me? And uh, think about this uh, as an answer to that question. If you're a parent and your child makes a mistake, are you going to stop providing for them? Are you, are you going to say no food tonight? No, you're not. Um, uh, there's a, a great story of my wife's that uh, I like to tell. She doesn't like to tell it. But when she was a young girl, real young, she went with her dad to the bakery to get this treat for her mother. And it was a cherry cheesecake. And... Um, the, uh, it was one of her mother's favorite things. And the lady behind the counter um, hands it to Karen and says, now don't turn that over because obviously it's going to be a huge mess if you turn it over. But so Karen takes it. What she heard was, turn that over. That's all she heard. So she flips it right over. <laughs> and of course, it's a huge mess. And so her father was with her. And what does a good father say when that happens? And, and her father... <laughs> Her father's a good father. But you, see, you say, hey, there's a mess now. We're going to have to clean that up. But you are still my daughter whom I love and in whom I take great delight. I am still with you all the time. I'm still always for you. I am still always with you. And I'm still always all you need. That's what, that's what our good father is saying to us. So even picture, just for a second, picture... Um, Uh, picture yourself in a car seat. Um, If you have to close your eyes, do that. And your your dad is driving and he reaches back and gives you a milkshake, which your mother wouldn't do, but your dad gives you this milkshake. And you're excited and you spill it and it's all over the seat. 
okay, what is, your, what is the good father saying? He's, he's going to say, hey, we do have to clean up this mess, but you are still my child whom I love and in whom I take great delight. So it's safe to be a child when we know we have a good father like that. So our father is a good father. Okay, we're going to wrap up here. Um, But something interesting about this illustration with branches and vines is that Jesus doesn't invite us to become branches. He just says we are branches. There's no getting around it. The truth is we are branches. And our only hope for bearing fruit is staying connected and going wherever he goes. So when he's inviting us to change and become like little children, he's inviting us to believe the truth that we are branches. So say this after me. I am a branch. Jesus is the vine. Okay, so final thoughts before we uh, go into offering and worship. Here's the outcomes of believing like a little child, a few of them. Number one, I don't need to rush so I can take time to notice people around me. Two, I don't need to defend myself from threats so I can be vulnerable with people. I can be authentic. I don't have to hoard my resources. I can share generously. And I can believe God for miracles. This is something that I think is so cool because a lot of times our faith for the miraculous has been limited by our inability to think and believe like a child. The grown-up thinking can just kind of put a stop, a barrier to the childlike faith that is open to the miraculous. So I think what we're doing here at our church, what we're going to be doing this weekend with healing on the streets, with all of that, um, I think God's wanting to say, look, you're going to get ready for the miraculous here. And in order to receive that, some of you are going to need to start believing like a child. So as we, as we finish up, I just want to pray a release of a childlike anointing, just kind of all over the room here. <laughs> Whether you need that to break off worry from your life or whether you need that to open yourself up to the miraculous. Uh, Whatever it is, just receive that right now in Jesus' name.